With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Cody Bellinger podcast. I'm Cody Birch. With me, as always, is Cody Stephen. You can't dodge the two first name thing. That's true. I uh, I have three first names, as you know, and I'm uh, apparently now four. If you add Cody, Cody, Eric, David, Stephen, that's my Cody can be that's your new name. Yeah, your maiden name or something like that. Um, let's just get it out of the way early. Uh, Cody Bellinger pace alert. Uh, we're recording this Monday morning. The Dodgers have played 30 games. Cody Bellinger on pace for 76 home runs, 194 RBI. Uh, both would, would be major league records. So he's regressing to the mean. Yeah, he's no longer averaging uh, on pace for 100 home runs, so he's slowed down a little bit, um, but still, still humming along quite nicely. We had to take last week off for some personal reasons, so we've got a full episode. We're gonna we're gonna dive even deeper into Cody Bellinger's hot streak. Talk about the last two weeks since we did haven't talked a lot. Last time we talked, Eric, the Dodgers were losing a lot, and that's that's changed a bit. And then we're uh, gonna take a look at the new pitching staff now that some Dodgers have getting healthy. And then of course we have some questions at the end. You ready for this? Sure. I would just point out, so the last time we recorded, they had lost six in a row, and mm-hmm. then they won that, that Sunday. And then, so counting that Sunday win, they're like, uh, they're 11-3 and three in the last 14. So 
they did okay in 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 between. Yeah, hopefully we don't turn things around by recording another podcast. But you know what? I I wanted to do this. You wanted to record again, so figured why yeah. not? Let's talk about Cody. My car is my car's working this week. I don't so want to talk last about week your I, car. I want to talk about Cody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cody Bellinger's battery is very charged, and, and let's just say that. We were talking a little bit before we turned the record button on, and I was mentioning how we've seen Dodger hitters go through hot streaks like this, you know, in baseball. It, it happens. Something seems different than a lot of hot streaks I've ever seen with Cody Ballinger. It doesn't seem – it's not just the fact that he's just tearing – like hitting the hitting the snot out of the ball, which can fuel a lot of hot streaks that I've seen before. So many – I'm thinking about the last two seasons when you were watching Cody Bellinger, a great player, but there were those pitches that just would always get him, and you knew what a Cody Bellinger at bat kind of looked like. He is not having anywhere close to the amount of swings, those kind of really big trying to get, out, get, get to a pitch um, and failing at it. He's just not having those as much. You said you had yeah, some numbers he, to maybe back up my thoughts. But you're, you're right just empirically, right, just watching him like – He's not flailing. Uh, he's not chasing. I know uh, Oral Hershiser had a nice little anecdote on Sunday. I think he was mentioning a swing earlier in the week because Cody he still uh, swings very hard, like, mm-hmm. and it's it's a massive like swing and it's very looping. Uh, but and there was there was one. Uh, I think he like uh, Oral was the way Oral was describing it. He, he said uh, his swing was so hard, like he he hit himself on his own butt with the bat like on the follow-through and he's he described it as a spanking like it was punishment for a bad swing and so i thought that was really funny um but yeah so so the main thing uh, off the bat like just um it, uh i think talking about him like not chasing and stuff he right now he has more walks than strikeouts like he struck out 146 times as a rookie he struck out 151 times last year I mean, that's just sort of the nature of the beast these days, right? He still walks a good amount, so it's not that big of a deal. Like this year, he's only struck out 14 times. He's on pace for like 80 strikeouts, basically. So he's like cut, almost cut his strikeouts in half, which is remarkable. And and then like the the, the pitches that he's not chasing, he's absolutely tattooing. Um, so like the, I guess the, the main stat here, right? So his numbers are insane. We'll, we'll get into the real numbers in a second. But like he just off the bat, he's hitting... Um, He's hitting uh, 427, right? Like, where it's 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 two day two games left in April, and he's hitting 427. Like, look, that's in itself is ridiculous. Hitting like 400 for any month is very very good. It's very excellent. But like, if you look at his underlying data, um, his batted ball stuff on, on like Statcast, his um, expected batting average based on the balls that he's hit and the like trajectory and the the, the hit the the miles exit velocity things like that um his expected batting average is 428 so he's actually like he's like what right a lucky what a lucky guy right exactly so um he, yeah he he's he's actually like he's actually getting slightly slightly hurt um the, so the big things there are they they measure barrels um and i forgot the exact thing i think you have to hit it like 95 miles an hour or better with a certain launch angle. And like he has 15 barrels in April already or the in March and April. And like he had 41 as a rookie and 35 last year. So it's basically like almost half of his season total uh, in one month. Uh, so his barrel percentage uh, is 
16.3%. Last year was 86 So he's like, he's hitting the ball super hard um, double the time right now. His average exit velocity is 93.8 miles per hour. That leads the National League. Uh, last year was 89.7, which is also very good. Um, that was pretty much the same as his rookie year. So he's he's just hitting the ball harder and like just in a more controlled fashion. And that's sort of why he's having uh, what's it might be the greatest like month in Dodger history. It's it's very, very excellent so far. So you mentioned it might be the best month ever. It's probably competing with Peter Greer's June, you would think. Yeah. So there, there's a few like in um in play but before i get to sort of his dodger competition uh there's uh just give you a run out just to tell you how good of a month he's having like like we talk about like you know it's way too early to talk about triple crown and things like that and that's when you lead your league and average home runs rbis you could technically win the triple crown by also leading in runs instead of rbis but no one really cares about that but like cody bellinger is doing so well he's leading the majors in like all those categories and then some like, he leads the majors in average, on-base percentage, slugging, home runs tied with Christian Yelich. Um, total bases, he has 94 so far, which is a record before May 1st. Part of that's the Dodgers have played four games in March, so that it plays into it a little bit. But still, uh, RBIs, runs, and hits. So, like, everything possible, he's, like, leading the league in, uh, in the majors. And so not just the uh, National League, also the American League, which happens to include Mike Trout, so that's no small feat. Um, so yeah, he's, he's really, um, just like tearing the cover off the ball doing well. But like I said, there's still two games left in April in April. So, but watch, he's going to go like over eight and then, but he's still going to have an excellent month, but it'll be like, just take that in mind as we're uh, telling this. So, so the main, like his main competition, right? Like it's funny, like, um, <clears throat> if, if you look at OPS only like adjusted OPS, maybe not necessarily, but uh, Cody's up there, but, um, there's only been like six months ever with the Dodgers of a player having a 1300 OPS with at least 75 plate appearances. So uh, Cody Bellinger's at 124 plate appearances. So like, it's, it's not a, you know, he's not like just squeaking by, but he's at 1413 right now. That's second best as a Dodger. The top three Dodger months of OPS are all April's. Um, Ron say is sort of the gold standard here and I'll get into him because he's going to be our Dodger rewind this week. Um, but his his OPS in 1977 in April was 1433. It was also only 20 games, uh, but he also drove in 29 runs, which was a major league record at the time. Um, he was red hot that year, um, so he's the best. Matt Kemp in 2012, the year after his near MVP, he started out so hot that year with 12 home runs in 23 games. He had a 1383 OPS, um, and then he got his uh, hamstrings hurt like the first week of May, and he's basically been never the same since. But um, Pedro Guerrero, we mentioned his most famous month is June 1985 because he hit 15 home runs that uh, tied the Dodger record. Uh, Duke Snyder also did it in August 1953, but then Cody Bellinger did it uh, in 2017. He had a 15 home run month. So um, Pedro Guerrero in June had 15 home runs, but he didn't have a 1300 OPS, but in July, he didn't hit as many home runs, but he hit 460. <laughs> so he, he, he and he, he got on base so much, like um, he <clears throat> he had a 563 on base, which is ridiculous. So um, uh, Guerrero had a 1356 OPS, but I just wanted to point out, like if you look at like so Guerrero, <laughs> so he basically had like two of the greatest months. His his June OPS was 1297, so he just fell off. 
So he probably had the greatest two month stretch of any Dodger like offensive player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, Duke Snyder's another one, August 1959, 1318. And then Johnny Frederick in 1929, he had a 1300. So Bellinger's in rarefied air. Um, I also looked, um, he's scored like 30 runs. He's the only LA Dodger to have 30, to score 30 runs in any month. Um, I know, and we just say month like sort of with quotes because in way baseball works, it's like March, April, and September, October, because there's usually like only a few games. March they played four games, so like it it, it matters. But Dodgers will end up having 32 games before April. That's not a that's not outlandish because there's been months like that before, especially at the end of the season or sometimes when they used to play a lot of doubleheaders. Like maybe July or August would be specific, uh, especially busy. Um, but uh, to, so he's the only LA Dodger to have 30 runs in a month. There, there were like a bunch in Brooklyn, uh, topping out, I think at 38. But, uh, if you look in major league history, he has his 36 RBIs. Um, so there's only been like a, like a handful of people I'm looking back. So I guess 32 total people have had 30 runs. Uh, Oh wait, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, in history, uh, there's been way more than that. Okay, so 129 players. So, like since 19 uh, uh, 1908. So we're talking about all, basically like one per season. But there were a lot of them earlier on, um, who who had uh, 30 runs and 30 RBIs in a single month. Uh, but no one's done it since Troy Tulowitzki in 2010. So like it's not that common to do that. And Cody Bellinger's done it. So, and there's still two games left, so he could definitely add to it. Uh, the LA Dodger record for RBIs in a month is Frank Howard in 1962. I think it was July. He had 41. And then Mike Marshall in another sort of extendo month, he had 37 in September slash October 1985. That month was weird because they had a player strike, um, but they made up all the games in like September. So September wasn't a especially long month because it extended like a week into October. Um so there were more games, but like Marshall drove in 37 runs in the last quote unquote month. So Bellinger's like up against those for the most in LA Dodger history. So like, no matter how you slice it, he's like having one of the greatest ones. And I would argue that putting his, since he leads the majors in like all those categories, he probably sort of gets the nod as like, you know, possibly the greatest month. I, I would say like Oral Hershiser 1988 in September, he gave up zero runs. <laughs> And then uh, Fernando Valenzuela in 1981 in April, uh, he was so ridiculous. Like you could argue those are probably uh, better or as good, uh, but just offensively, I think Bellinger's probably probably has the greatest month in Dodger history. He's certainly a big reason why the Dodgers sort of righted the ship after that horror show of couple of series against NL Central teams. But I think another big thing that has happened is both because pitchers have come kind of off the injury list and come back on. But the other starters have seemed to kind of righted themselves a little bit. And in turn, the bullpen hasn't had to bear as much weight. Uh, we talked about that two weeks ago, how that was a big influence on how bad the bullpen was looking. And now that starters are going five, six, seven innings, the bullpen still has some sore spots, but generally looks a lot better. Yeah. So like in that, that six game losing streak where they, they got swept in St. Louis and then came home and lost the first two to Milwaukee. Um, the starters were just getting battered around. Also, Hyunjin Ryu 
he left in the second inning of a start because he got hurt. And so, like, they were averaging, like, four-something innings a start and giving up a run an inning. So, like, that was, like, crippling them that whole week. And then, like, pretty much since then, they've been pretty good. Like, um, almost, not not universally, but almost all quality starts. Um, and then, like, just going deeper into games and in ERA, like, in the twos, I don't have the exact number, but it's basically in that, like, 14-game stretch. It's basically the ERA is, like, in the twos for the starters. And then, like you said, that it's less taxing on the bullpen. Um, and then, so that's helped, uh, like, overall on the staff. And then also – the fact that like everyone's sort of getting back like um, two like we two weeks ago basically Kershaw returned um, two weeks to, ago today in fact um, and then um, a little almost less than a week later uh, Hyunjin Ryu returned and then on Sunday Rich Hill returned so now they have like their their planned starting staff and that bumped uh, Julio Urias first to the bullpen and now Ross Stripling's there too so like that just sort of bolsters the depth they have in the bullpen. So like, I think just the starters being the ones they want, like, and performing better, that helps. And then not only do the, is the bullpen tax less, but the, they have better quality, I think in the bullpen, especially with Urias and um, Stripling. So uh, I think that's just sort of a multiplier effect. And I think they're going to reap some benefits on that. I know we want to talk a little bit about the sore spots of the Dodgers that aren't looking so hot, but I want to touch on specifically my favorite Dodger, most a lot, I think a lot of fans' favorite Dodger, Clayton Kershaw, looking really, really sharp in these first few outings coming back from the injured list. Yeah, like you know, there were everyone was obviously concerned because last year the velocity was there. And like, look, just the the grand scheme of things, like he had a down year in terms of velocity. He lost like two to three miles an hour on the fastball, and that was a huge thing, um, and it made a huge difference. He gave up a lot of home runs. Uh, but he still had like a top five ERA in, in National League. So it was like, it's all relative, right? Like uh, against Clayton Kershaw's history, not as good, but against like other mortal pitchers, like pretty good. But then he did struggle in the World Series. So that was like an issue. And then coming into this year, it's like, could he get his velocity back? And would he still be effective? I mean, and knock on wood or whatever. But so far, three starts in so good. Like he's he's looked pretty effective. Like um, I think the main thing with him is like, he still hasn't sort of, he's not like throwing like old Clayton, but his control is so good. Like that he is, he's like pinpointing things and still has the wherewithal to get people out. Um, so that's like helped him greatly. Um, like you said, it's only 20 innings, but he's like, he's struck out 21. So he's missing bats. He's walked four. all of those came in one start very weirdly. Um, but like he, he's just looked really good so far. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get the back, but like Clayton Kershaw where he is, is like still like super effective and probably one, at least definitely one of the smartest pitchers going. So like, I think he, he knows how to like maneuver his way through a lineup, even if he doesn't have like Supreme stuff. And I think he's, he's just doing better with command. We'll see it. There's going to be starts where, and we've seen it where he doesn't have his command, and that's where he can get into trouble. But we haven't seen that necessarily yet. So uh, until he gets that point, uh, pretty optimistic so far about his his sort of start to the season. Yeah, I think the other issue that came up before uh, last season was with the the differential on the slider wasn't there. And I don't know if that's how much of that is the actual differential. Um, 
I think Oral was talking about this a little bit, versus when the slider is more like in the 89, 88 range as opposed to the 87 range, that it yeah. isn't doing what it wants him to do. And he, when you're kind of trying to play both sides of the plate, he really does need that slider. The, the curveball is nice, but it can't be this sort of heavy volume pitch to kind of help get get batters out. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. But if he, you know, kind of took a season, took an off season to really, I, I put it to you, do the Maddox thing, uh, mm-hmm. probably the most famous pitcher who lost a little of the stuff, but he was so smart and so good at controlling the pitch and controlling the game that uh, had a very, very successful second half of his career. So it'll be, I'm excited to see if Kershaw can keep this up. Absolutely. I think that, and you know, you write about the slider, like, plus he has like two different sliders. The, the movement's different, but like, yeah, if he's throwing like 89, 90 on a fastball and his slider's 87, 88, that's not a, as much of a difference for a batter to like be fooled. Um, you know, so like there does need to be some separation there, I think. And also the movement is key. Um, but yeah, he's just shown so much control. So like, if he can keep that up, like then you know the sky's the limit. I think. So when we first when we talked the very first week, basically every Dodger was hitting the crap out of the ball. Uh, with I think maybe Justin Turner was kind of slow out of the gate, and Chris Tur- mm-hmm. Taylor was slow out of the gate. They're still slow out of the gate, but some other Dodgers have kind of joined them in sort of mini slumps, sort of. Um, so you listed. I have a list here that you sent me. You wanted to talk about uh, Pollock, JT. Uh, Chris Taylor and Austin Barnes. Yeah. And so I guess the main sort of uh, slumber right now, I would say is AJ Pollock. He just, he just hasn't done, done much so far. He's only, he's hitting um, uh, 223, 287, 330. He has two home runs. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think he'll end up being all right, but like, He's sort of, uh, I think, um, the way Alex Verdugo is playing, he's been, like, great. And, like, um, they've been trying to find more time for him. And uh, Dave Roberts was asked on the, on Sunday, I think, about this, about is Pollock something to the point where you'd consider platooning him with Verdugo to get Verdugo more time? And and Roberts said no, um, not not yet. I think so. They're still going to – they're going to give Pollock a lot of rope. Look, he signed a five-year contract um, – and so he's going to get some rope. He has a he has a history, obviously. So they're not going to just sort of go away from him. I think if it continues, they might make a change later on, like we saw last year with some of the players where they started platooning more in the second half. But I don't think we're there yet. Um, plus, like just um, this week alone, like um, on a short term basis, like the Dodgers face five left handed starters um, in a row starting on Tuesday. They play the Giants and the Padres this week, so you're going to see a lot of AJ Pollock this week. Um, and you're probably going to see a lot of Chris Taylor too. Um, and like, he's sort of slumped all year as well. And like, he's, he's hitting uh, really bad. He's, he has the lowest, well, the, the lowest non Rocky Gale OPS on the, on the team, all the Rocky Gales back in the minors now. And he only had um, 14 plate appearances. So nothing going on there, but yeah, Taylor, he's hitting 169, 267, 246 really hasn't got anything going so far. So, you know, but also he's he's like in that second tier of like not every day, but like occasional start guy plays a little more than David Freeze. And like but Alex Verdugo has been getting more playing time of late and has almost caught him in like plate appearances so far. So 
Uh, I think Taylor's solidly like an, an other performer at this point. So, but the two guys slumping the most in, among the starters are Pollock and Turner. And I, I just I was thinking about this. Like I always thought it was funny. Like if you had said at the beginning of the year, uh, Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger would combine for 14 home runs in April, that would be a pretty good month, right? Like you're like, okay, and, but then they have, but like in the weirdest way possible. And they're both on basing greater than 370 right now. Obviously, Cody, well above that, but T- Justin Turner with, a, I think, a 377 on base? Yeah, or maybe 374. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah. Splitting hairs. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, like, the so, yeah, Justin Turner, he's slugging 302 at the moment. So that's, that's a problem. Uh, we talked about um, <clears throat> Cody Bellinger where, He's hitting the ball really hard, and like his expected numbers are right in line with what he's actually doing, which is remarkable. You, you look at it a little bit with Justin Turner, and he's been getting unlucky. Um, he's hitting the ball like as hard as he ever has. His <clears throat> his exit velocity average is ninety eight and a half miles an hour right now. So um, that's he's been like eighty nine and nine between eighty nine and ninety like the last five years. So he's like right on par with his career. Numbers. Um, <clears throat> the only thing his barrels are down. Like uh, it's like five point two percent. Where the the last few years it was eight, around eight or a little bit above. Not a huge. I mean, it's it's a difference, but like that's that explains home runs. Weird thing about Turner is like his he has ninety three career home runs and two have come in April. Part of that was a couple years ago. Like he's been hurt in April a little bit, um, but he just hasn't really hit home runs in April. It's very weird. Um, and then usually once the season heats up uh, or the, the, the weather heats up, he starts getting hot. So I assume we'll see something like that again. But just looking at his batted ball stuff, his on StatCast, uh, his expect, he's hitting um, 271 with a 302 slugging. So that's nothing. But right now his expected batting average is 288 and expected slugging is 429. Still like below what you would expect from Justin Turner, but way better than 302. So like, I think he's getting a little bit unlucky right now, and he's still hitting the hard. So I think it's just a matter of time before that sort of corrects itself. Um, so not terribly worried about him unless he is hurt. I don't. There's been no indication that he's been he's like hurting. But so if he's healthy, I think he's going to be fine. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I guess the other sort of regular slumper is Austin Barnes. Um, when when Martin Russell Martin was on the DL. Right when he went on the DL, both he and Barnes were, like, basically hitting, like, monsters, you know? Like, I think they were combining to hit, like, 400 with power. Um, and then Barnes had to take sort of the lion's share of the catching duty. I think Rocky Gale caught, like, two or three games tops when when Martin was uh, out. So Barnes was, like, playing more every day, and he just – he saw he was three for 39 when when Martin was on the DL. But then um, started, he hit a home run Saturday – and like he's starting to look good, so his overall numbers are a little down, but still okay, especially for a catcher. But he he did slump a little bit, so that was hurting, uh, especially during the losing streak. But I think he's probably going to be fine. But that was just a little bit of a blip for him. And maybe he just missed his friend, his catcher. That, that's friend. true. Russell plus, Martin and seems plus, like a great friend. And he got to catch uh, Russell Martin, so he he knows exactly what he, what he, to expect. So gotta have your battery, mate. That's right. One of the sort of wrinkles with the starting pitching being so good is 
there's a I mentioned earlier a couple gray spots in the bullpen, but we don't have a lot of body of work to really talk about it that much. So maybe next week we'll have we'll have more to talk about. But the bull like the bullpen is shoring up where you've we're starting to figure out what the who the sure arms are. Yeah, so we mentioned like the Dodgers are basically full strength, and it took him till the game game number thirty to get there. But that's sort of like with a caveat that Tony Singrani's still not around. Like so, and I don't know what his timetable is. Maybe so. Um, they would obviously like him to be in the bullpen, and then Caleb Ferguson has been a huge part of the bullpen. He struggled on Saturday. He he faced three batters. He walked two, and he didn't record an out. And then he the next day he went on the deal with an oblique strain. So that seems like it's going to put him out a while. So that so while they're quote unquote at full strength and they are stronger, like it would be much stronger if like say they were back. Um, but that said, the bullpen is pretty good uh, at the moment. Pretty set. Uh, Floro, I think, got hit with a in the back of the shoulder. I think on a line drive at Wrigley Field um, last week, and he hasn't pitched since. Not on the DL though, so I think it's more of a short term thing, maybe. Um, but he's been one of the Dodgers' sort of best pitchers. So, and then like Pedro Baez after so Caleb Ferguson loaded the bases on Saturday. It was one of the I think the cooler moments of the season because um, I believe uh, I, I think it was a two-run game? Yeah, two-run game at the time. It was 3-1. And then Pedro Baez had to come in and clean up the mess. Bases loaded, nobody out. And he got, like, two pop-ups and a strikeout. And, like, and it was probably the loudest cheer I've ever heard Pedro Baez get at Dodger Stadium. It was it was pretty awesome, because he's, he's been through some crap uh, before, so that was good for him. Um, but he's been pretty good, especially since his early sort of struggles. So He definitely has sort um, of the, the pitcher yeah. version of the Rebay story. Oh, nice. Okay. I like it. We're beloved. <laughs> and had you told Dodger fans within his first year or two that he would be a beloved Dodger, they would have not believed you. Both former third basemen. Before we get the questions, you, you, Eric, would you believe me when I tell you I think you're a fan of sort of bizarre little stats? I would, I would not only believe you, I would endorse that statement. Would you endorse it with an example? Sure. So, well, okay, before I get into that, the, the example I think we're going to talk about, I just want to mention, that, speaking of bizarre stats, Rich Hill was activated Sunday, and he, he did sacrifice in his second at-bat, but he had a single in his first at-bat, so technically he's leading the world in batting average right now, <laughs> minimum two plate appearances, he's batting a 1,000. So, um, but yeah, so the Dodgers uh, right now, they've hit – 49 home runs so far this season with two games left in April. We mentioned, look, they played they played four games in March, but March counts as part of April, whatever. It's going to be a 32-game month, so it's larger than normal. But they've only hit 50 home runs as a team twice, um, and they both come the last two Junes. So it's usually like as the weather heats up, um, like so do the Dodgers' bats. Um, this year they started out hot early. So if they hit one home run in the first two games in San Francisco – then the Dodgers will have their third 50 home run month. Their record was last June when they hit 55, and they end up setting a team record for the season too, um, with 235 home runs. So like, um, they're just that's just what they do now. Like they they hit home runs. Like the, the last few months of this year, like last August they hit 45, last September they hit 46. So like they're just they're just powering the ball right now, and that's just like the part of their identity. Um, last year they they hit. 56 total home runs in April and May. 
So like now they're already at 49. So they're off to a roaring start. Uh, if they have, if they do anything like they did last year, they're going to shatter their own home run record this year. It's going to be, it's going to be very weird. Uh, very cool. And before we sort of sunset things with questions from Craig, we have a, an email question this week. Don't always have those, but we have one this week. Yeah, absolutely. So we got an email um, from Brian Anda. Um, he said he's stationed in Fort. Um, he's a soldier in the U.S. Army. So thank you, Brian, uh, for your service. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I am stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas, he says, home of the big red one. Um, my question for the podcast is based on the movie Moneyball. Um, especially with statistics of players nowadays and with money and contract extension opportunities, will the Dodgers make any moves to secure players like Bueller, Turner, Seager, Bellinger, and others to extend their time as Dodgers? Growing up, I saw Kevin Brown, Valenzuela, Steve Sachs, and other Dodgers play. I will just say, it's weird. It's, that's an odd combination three, of three players, like uh, especially when you're talking about extensions, because like Kevin Brown came as a free agent, you know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like he was a homegrown guy. But I, I'm I'm granting him this. I'm just going with what he said. So his question is: Should the Dodgers consider time and money in, in the efforts of making our Dodger players happy being in Los Angeles? I, um, I think this um, this was sort of made popular by the Indians, J- John Hart, in the early '90s when they, they were sort of um, really young but very talented and they had a lot of budding players like Carlos Baerga was one of the first guys. They eventually, um, uh, like they added like Manny, or brought up like Manny Ramirez, Albert Bell, um, all these guys. And then they signed a bunch of them to like contract extensions. Jim Tomei was eventually there. Um, they were just super talented and super loaded. And then part of the reason, like you know, the relatively small market um in baseball terms, um, they, the way they, they signed these extensions, it bought out like maybe a few free agent years, but they signed them like before arbitration. So we got a little bit of a discount in the early going and also were able to keep them a little longer. That helped them sort of extend their run. The Rays have done this in recent years. It's, it's been kind of popular. There are a bunch of extensions signed, um, like Aaron Nola signed one. Ronald Acuna signed like a seven-year $100 million deal. With the Braves, and if you if he went like year to year, he would like obliterate that, I think. But then like Ozzy Albies was like one upped him. I think his his contract was like thirty five million over like roughly the same period. And I mean, it's it's hard to like look at a player and say, man, you really got shortchanged when from his side you could see where he's going from relatively nothing to oh my god, I'm guaranteed thirty five million. You know, like that's. How, how do you say no to that? So, like, you can see where, like, being that being the house, so to say, like the the casino, as it were, um, being the big bank, like where you can have advantages because you can, if you make a mistake and like one's a washout, it's still a relatively lower risk deal because you're sort of getting a discount. And if more of them hit, it's such a huge win that you can take more of these contracts being unsuccessful. Or if the player like John Singleton with the Astros a few years ago signed one of those deals where like. He was like basically before he got called up and it was like, hey, if you want to make the majors, you have to sign this below market contract or else we're going to keep you in the minors for longer. And then he signed it and then he wasn't very good and he's kind of out of baseball now or roughly. And But then if you look at some of their other guys, like they've gotten pretty good discounts on. So I think generally it works out for the teams, but also, you know, the players get security out of it, too. That said, you, so you look at the Dodgers, like the prime candidates, I think like Corey Seager, right? He was He's just in his first year arbitra- arbitration. So he's got <clears throat> two years left after this before 
for free agency. So I think ideally with him, you'd have to do like a contract extension that buys out like maybe two years of free agency plus an option or something. He seems to me like uh, more like a year to year guy, pretty confident in himself um, and not, not so far from free agency that he can, um, that he wants to necessarily buy some of it out. So he's, I think I see him more of a year to year guy, Cody Mellinger, like technically this is only his second uh, year. He's going to have just less than three years service time after this year. He's going to be a super two. So he'll have four years of arbitration after this. So, He's one of those guys where you could definitely see an extension, but you look look how hot he is now, right? Like a month ago, he was, you know, one of the game's like sort of young talents, but like maybe not superstar level um, because yeah, of, like he had a star every other year kind of guy. Right. He had like a relatively down year last year, but still very good. But like now it's like, okay, the the, the, the price gets, keeps going up as, like as he has, as if he keeps hitting, right? Like, so um, like, I, I think that's a situation like also Walker Bueller. Um, he's only in his second year. So like um, you could see that like, um, but it's just, it, the, it takes two to tango, you know, like the player has to be willing to do it. I just, I think a lot of this is like some of the teams in like smaller markets, they, they get so caught up in like, um, we, we have to make sure the player either a stays here um, because we're going to lose him in free agency or, we have to if we sign them now, they become so so much more of a tradable asset that we can sort of prolong our our sort of run here as a smaller market team. So that's sort of more of the motivation on the team standpoint. Whereas the Dodgers, I think they'll just be like, if if a player is going to be good enough when they're free agent, they could just sign them, you know. Like so, I, I don't know if there's much of a motivation for them to do it. I, I'm sure they 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 talk about these things. Maybe for like the bigger players, like Kershaw, he didn't sign his extension till um, his the, the the final year of his arbitration. He did have a two year contract during arbitration, so that solved part of it. But I think that's more of a smaller thing. But I think with some of these guys, like Corey Seager, like I don't think you'll hear an extension talk until after like next season, maybe. Um, but yeah, Cody Bellinger. Um, Walker Bueller seem like the, the prime sort of guys here. Um, and then the rest, it's like, you know, Justin Turner has his, he has two years left on his deal. Kenley Jensen has three years left on his deal. I'm counting this year as one of those years. Rich Hill is going to be a free agent after this year. So I, I think they'll just wait till the off season to figure out what to do there. Ryu's going to be a free agent. So like, uh, I don't, I don't know of any other player that's like, necessarily a, um, a prime candidate, you know, I guess, you know, what, what do they have in Jock Peterson, right? Like they could, he's been pretty good, but also almost exclusively against righties. So do they sign him to an extension and then maybe that, does that make him more tradable? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I think the main two there are probably Bueller and Bellinger, but I just don't see them. I, um, it take the player has to be willing to do it too. So if I had to guess, probably no extensions this year, but maybe maybe in the next year or two, we might see some of those start to materialize. Now we have a Dodgers rewind, and we have questions from Craig, but you told me when you and I took a break that you have some stats you have to share. Again, sounds exactly like you, so I'm going to let you do it. I must share these. Um, so I just wanted to point out like sort of the fickleness of baseball, right? So one... Um, 
uh, Cody Bellinger, right? 14 home runs so far, obviously setting the world on fire. Have we the talked last about him three, yet? We, maybe. Uh, the last three months of last season, nine home runs total. <laughs> so, like, things happen, right? Like, they people have hot streaks. Sometimes they get cold. Um, like, it just happens. And then, just sort of related to that, we talked about AJ Pollock struggling. Last April, he was the he was player of the month in the National League for April. Like he was hitting, um, he had nine home runs last. I mean, it's it's no fourteen, but it's still really good. He hit 351, 670 last uh, April, and then he he sort of continued that the first two weeks of May. So um, like he was on fire before he got hurt, uh, and then just sort of kind of hasn't done much since. Um, so like I these things are like. I don't want to say cyclical, but it's funny how they sort of, you just, you know, uh, they just sort of happen like that. So you just sort of appreciate them as the hot streaks sort of come, but just know that they're, they're special because they're not, they don't happen that often. So like you sort of have to like appreciate them as they come in. Questions from Craig. Sure. First question. Clayton Kershaw now has 2,296 strikeouts in his career. He needs 401 strikeouts to pass Don Sutton and become the franchise leader. Do you think he can do it? Uh, easy answer there is yes. And I was looking at it. So he, he's 401 strikeouts away, I think, uh, is what Craig said. And mm-hmm. um, I, so I think, like, just given that, like, there, he's going to miss some starts pretty much every year. That's just on average probably what he's going to do. So I think he ha- he does it before the All Star break in 2021. Um, so, but I'm going to say like early June. So let's I'm going to say June 8th. June 8th, 2021 is when he he passes down something there. You're that was actually really. I was thinking about this. I think I had it a little bit later. So I am going to go same year, September 15th. Oh man. Okay. All right. I like it. Can we remember this? We never do. We ne- we always make these really. I think bets. well, it's going to be the exact midpoint of that. So sometime like in early August uh, or whatever it is, the like time late July. World Series champion Dodgers. Will he be doing it? That's all we'll have sure. to look for. Champion. And then it'll just be like we'll just look back and laugh like ah oh, like be... yeah. Second exactly. question is for me. This could be a very short answer, but maybe not. I know you enjoy games of all kinds. I do. <laughs> Do you have any favorite board games for a nice friend's game night? If Eric has any thoughts, please also chime in. You want to chime in? Uh, do you want to? You want me to do first? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So my my I think my all time favorite game, and this was more I think when I was a kid, or you know high school and stuff too, uh, was Monopoly. Uh, played it a lot with friends. Did you play with um, real rules? Real rules. Yes. Yeah. We 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 didn't. Um, there's always like house rules and stuff. Sure. And I, I don't, my, I always did play with free part five hundred dollars and free parking. Yeah. I've I played some without that, but like we were we were we respected the rules. Well, I just remember this. I was shocked one time in high school because one of my very good friends, uh, we were playing at his house, and I think this was one of the first times we played at his house. And all of a sudden, like he landed on one of our spots, and he had to pay rent, and he. And he just like very confidently just said strike, and he's like, "I'm not going to pay you." And we're like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "It's our house rule. You could just say strike, and like not pay." And I was like, "My worldview is shattered that day." It was like, 
what was going on. So I don't, I don't play, I don't play anarchy with Monopoly. I play with actual rules and well, consequences for your actions. So yeah, I don't think I played with real rules until I was in my mid twenties because the, yeah. the 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 big rule that was ignored was you land on a space, you decide not to buy it. You're, it's supposed to go to auction. Oh, then, at that then point. it's auction. Yeah, yeah, and we just I, were like, "Yeah, I don't we, want I it." Moving that. on. That's one of those like hard and fast. We we almost always ignored that. Like we didn't. Well, so so didn't you weren't really playing with real. Don't the lie one thing I, I played it so often, like in high school and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> in high school, I played it so often that we actually we were trying to get creative, and the the best one we came up with that was like a different monopoly was a figure eight monopoly, where we would play two different boards. And it was hard to keep track of, but you basically had to go through two boards, like, and it was figure eight. I forget which. I must have been, um, I think, jail. That was the the common space, or maybe maybe it was go. I don't remember, but it was it was very confusing. You travel through one board, and then you just go straight through the other one, uh, and it was bizarre. And so there was like, um, I think we we made some rule where if so, the normal rule of monopoly is if you have a monopoly. And you don't you're, you don't have any houses or hotels. It's double the rent on any particular space. Mm-hmm. So um, we had a thing where in in figure eight monopolies, if you had a double monopoly, where like let's say you had the yellows on both boards, then it was quadruple the rent. Like if you didn't have houses, but it was also like it was just um, we would add the um, like the total together. So like if you had um, and you still had to buy evenly, but like, so, so let's say you had three houses on all six yellows or whatever, you'd have to pay double when you landed on one of them. So it was devastating. Uh, but it was, it was really fun. Uh, it was weird, but it was, it was fun. So I th- uh, I'm, I'll answer with yeah. slightly the more geeky, newer board games. The board game as a hobby has really exploded last 15 years. I primarily play card games of all kind, but I, I dabble. Same. Uh, in, in board games, so my so he's he asked for a uh, board game, a party game with friends. Is how I'm reading his question. So my number one answer for that is a game called Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is actually okay. made by the same company that makes um, Magic the Gathering. But it, the gist is, you you and your friends are each a, l- a little character, and you're exploring a haunted house. And eventually, one of you, or I think I think there's some instances where it's more than one of you, gets haunted, and you go off to a separate room, and say it was you, and you read a separate rule book, and now you have a different objective to win the game <laughs> that your teammates, your friends, don't know about, and you have special powers, and you get to do stuff, and they're tr- basically trying to stop you a lot of times, but they don't know what you're trying to do, and you're wrecking the game. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I do you think the other That's game I would good. recommend for a party is Pandemic. It's a cooperative okay. game. You're not playing against each other. Uh, the that tends to go over well. My wife is not a competitive person, so I have to seek out these sort of cooperative games. Mm. Otherwise, she doesn't doesn't have as much fun as she'd have. Uh, I would say yeah. So I'm also I play card games mostly, um, uh, especially uh, the bigger parts of my family that play games are. Uh, one of my uncles and 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 his 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 son and daughter and their family like cousins and stuff and then also my sister and her um, kids uh, we play different card games so the the main games I play is Oh Hell 
Uh, and that's mostly with my uncles and cousins. And then the other with my sister and her family, I play a lot of 500 and a lot of a game called hand and foot, which is a, a massive game where you basically, it's like, I think you, it's, it's pretty loose, but you play like you have like two decks per person, depending on who's playing. And then you, it's just a long drawn out game and it's very fun and you play with partners and stuff. But uh, those are the games. The other game I'd recommend that isn't like a board game, but um, you could play with really anything. You just need cups and a lot of dice. Um, it's called Liar's Dice. And everyone starts out with five dice, uh, five die in a, in a cup. And you just go around. So like if there's like six of us, that means there it starts off with 30 uh, die total. Everyone like uh, shuffles their die or whatever in the cup, turns the cup over, and then nobody sees it but yourself. You and ones are wild, and then you you just have to you just go around and bid what you think the total number of a certain die is on that table, and you have to either up the bid of the person who just bid or call them a liar. And if you if you call them a liar, uh, then everyone t- shows what they have. And so if if someone says if someone bids like ten fives, and then you either have to say ten sixes or eleven or something or higher. And, but if you say they're a liar and there's if there's 10 or more fives, you lose a die. And then the game just keeps progressing until only one person has die left. Um, but then if you if you call them a liar and there's less, then that person loses a die. So it's very fun, but it's it's like fun to like – it's basically you just have to know probability. and uh, But it's still very fun. Or you just uh, have to I, enjoy I, calling people liars. And then yes, well, matter, I, I like – I play a lot with my sister – I mean with my uh, cousin and her family. And the kids are a little younger, like 11 and 13, um, but they're very fun and they love playing that. So, but I just like, I, I play games with them. I'll just like, I, it doesn't, I, I kind of know when I'm going to bid no matter what. So if I'm next and they're, I just stare at them intently. And then like, if they just say 10 fives, I immediately go liar or, or like, or like, or just like 11 sixes, you know, like without even thinking. And they're like, oh my God. Like, so it's very fun. They, uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. I love that game. Question the third. Would you rather eat a Caesar salad, garden salad, or wedge salad? So I, I really love a Caesar salad, but uh, I think of all those, I'd go wedge. Because mostly, I think I like, um, like if we're going healthier, you've you got to go like vinaigrette or something. But like I think I like Italian and blue cheese dressing more than Caesar, although Caesar's really good. But I think I would go with the wedge salad. I think the Caesar salad is just is the safest play. It's yeah. I've had even yeah. sort of a medium Caesar salad. I still really enjoy it. Whereas I've had some really bad wedge salads where the blue cheese is just not good at all. And then you're just left with this sort of lame chunk of iceberg lettuce and I'm off it. I will say this too. Uh, it's very, I mean, you could always add it, I guess, but it's very rare to have a Caesar salad with tomato and I love tomatoes. So like I would rather have a wedge salad on the off chance it has tomatoes. So like, um, I think that's part of the reason I like it, but I just like the, uh, I just like it a little better. The Dodgers are scoring 5.3 runs per game, and that's an LA record pace. Will this team finish with over five runs per game on average? I think, um, yes, partly because they just, they basically did last year. And I think offense as a whole is, seems to be a little better this year. Um, both in the league and just them in general. Um, so yeah, I do think they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna eclipse that five runs per game mark. So put me down for yes on that one. I'll I'll go with you. I don't want to argue. Mm-hmm. Last question, and then we've got a, a rewind. 
The last three Dodgers to receive NL Players of the Month award were Justin Turner, Matt Kemp, and Yasiel Puig. Assuming Cody Bellinger wins it for the past April, is his month better than those players? So, kind of. I, talked we talked a little this. bit about this. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he has the best month ever by Dodgers. So, I think Kemp in 2012 certainly is in the mix, and Ron Say, which we'll talk about in the Dodger rewind, definitely there. Um, but I just think I would just given where he is relative to the other players in the majors, like, uh, I would probably give, and the fact that like Ron say it's no, no fault of his own Dodgers only played 20 games, uh, that month. So like Bellinger is basically doing it in, in like, um, 50% more games. So, uh, I think it's a stronger, well, I think it's a stronger that month. That sounds like a great transition. Tell tell me more about Ron say in his, sure. month, his April. Oh, I, I will say one thing more on Bellinger. Um, his um, uh, he he has thirty six RBIs right now, and that's the most uh, ever before May first. Like of any major league player, he's tied with um, Juan Gonzalez, nineteen ninety eight, and Mark McGuire both in nineteen ninety eight. He had thirty six RBIs before May first. Again, Bellinger a little bit more games, but still just relative. Uh, and like I should point out, like Christian Yelich is like is not far behind Bellinger in a lot of these stats. <laughs> I mean, he, like, in batting average and stuff, he kind of is. But, like, 34 RBIs, and he's tied in home runs. So, like, he could very well take the lead in the next two days. Uh, but, yeah, so Ron Say, uh, 1977, he was, like, the gold standard. And I think for, like, in the majors for a while, he was ridiculous um, in, in April 1977. If you remember, um, that was the year where the Dodgers had four players with 30 home runs. Um, and say was one of them. He hit 30 exactly. Uh, but in, in April, he hit nine, nine home runs again, only 20 games, but he hit 425 <laughs> with a 543 on base and an 890 slugging percentage. His, his OPS plus uh, in the month was um, 289, whereas uh, Bellinger's this year is 265 right now. So, like, it, it was rel- a little bit relatively better. But again, 20 games, um, but 29 RBIs. That was the major league record um, for April before it's been passed a number of times since then, but it held for a long time. Um, but just, I would just want to point out like Ron Say, right? Like, so part of that um, that season, the the Dodgers, like, you know, they, it was it was Tommy Lasorda's first full year. He actually technically took over like the last few games of September in 1976, but that was, it was Tommy Lasorda's first year. So they, they came out of the gate rocking, right? Like they were, um, they were 17 and three at the end of April. They only played 20 games, but like they were just on fire. And part of the reason was say, uh, they actually, uh, ended up losing the first game of May, but then they were, they were 22 and four. They cruised, um, to the division. And this was when like the Reds had won the last two world series. So like it was the big red machine in full force and the Dodgers came in, um, and won, uh 98 games and then they went to, the, went to the world series first of two years in a row and they lost both that sounds very familiar um so but you know, so i just want to point this out so ron say right he had nine home runs 29 rbis that year but he was very consistent he was part of the quote unquote the infield um midway through the 1973 season he he, he played at third bill russell at short davy lopes at second steve garvey at first and they were basically together for like eight and a half years. And that's unprecedented for a full infield to do that um, before or since. Um, and it was basically through 1981. He and Lopes uh, left after that year. Garvey left after 82. Um, and then uh, Bill Russell stayed 
a Dodger his whole career through 86. But um, they were um, – Garvey was always the most popular. Uh, Lopes made a few all-star teams, and Bill Russell was like sort of the steady guy at short. He made a few all-star teams too. Say was like underrated. I, I would argue he was actually better than Steve Garvey in a lot of ways. He had more power. Uh, he had more patience. He averaged basically like 80 walks a year for that good stretch of time. He made um, he made six straight all-star teams uh, from 74 to 79. So this was the fourth year of that six-year run. So I would say so from like 74 um, – okay, so from 75 to 81, um, he had a 133 OPS plus. And like what's weird about – so his 1977 start was so hot, but his OPS plus that year was quote-unquote only 114. So he set career home uh, highs in home runs, 30, RBIs, 110. But he had the worst OPS <laughs> that seven-year stretch that year. So it was very weird. Like he was – he hit 241, which is his lowest number as a Dodger. He still got on – he walked 93 times, and he had all that power. But it was a very odd year because, like, basically after April, he really – he kind of slumped, especially in the second half. But So after April, he only hit 214, 385 – or 315, 385. So, like, that was still good for the time, but, like, not as good as he was. So, um, but, yeah, it was his lowest slugging percentage in that seven-year stretch um, and his lowest batting average as a Dodger. So, it was just a very odd year, but he was excellent. I mean, um, you know, for, during that seven-year stretch, he averaged 24 home runs and 79 walks. Like I said, he made the All-Star team six times in a row. He's, he's a great Dodger, but just one – and we're talking about Bellinger having one of the great months – I think if anyone's going to pass him, it's probably Say uh, in that month, even though it was only 20 games. It was it was one of the hottest, like, 20-game stretches anyone's ever seen um, with the Dodgers. And that's this week's episode. Before we go real quick, I just want to mention that sometime in the month of May, I'm not exactly sure when, we'll be switching to the SB Nation Podcast Network. Uh, it means a few things. One, what it doesn't mean is you should not have to change your feed. Our current host should make this transition seamless for you all. Uh, if that's not the case, I'll let you know, but it should be fine. Um, means a smattering of things, but the biggest thing you listeners uh, will notice is we will have commercials again. We had these before, but uh, one, Eric, you and I never really saw money from those. Did you? Were you Were you stifling me? It, it, it was a very, very tiny amount. But oh, like in I the... see. You owe me a beer. I, well, Half I mean, that, I was just going to say that just to give you an idea that that's about what it comes out to like okay. if, we're, if we're being. Yeah. So it was very tiny. So you owe me yeah. half of a half of a beer. That's uh, right. But you and I will see this. It goes directly to us. Uh, and we're ho- our hope is to use a good portion of that money on an actual editor. I have been editing this podcast since we began. And it has been, uh, you know, a labor of love. But I am certainly no professional. So that's definitely a thing we're hoping to use those resources with. The other thing is we have a little bit more control and when those commercials start and the commercials will be filled by SB Nation. So hopefully the commercials are a little bit more uh, in the realm of what we as sports fans uh, like to listen to. Uh, I'm really excited for it. Uh, We've been in talks for this for a few months now. Uh, I'm excited for what they're going to bring. Uh, there's going to be some other small changes with that, but we'll we'll talk about those as they come. No, nothing major. Yeah, and for the most part, I think it's going to be pretty seamless because we're it's basically going to be the same content, just like we said, just a little bit 
uh, and the ads will be more controlled and and like better placed. I think within the we, there wasn't a lot of leeway with our old sort of host on that. Um, and like you said, we didn't have control over it. So it was this will be better uh, in the long run for everybody. But um, in terms of content, it's not going to be big of a difference. So I think everyone will be. Uh, it'd be pretty much the same, but I, so I oh, and hopefully we'll have a little bit better uh, quality with maybe a little bit better editing, better equipment, that kind of stuff, and we'll, hopefully we'll you'll see the improvements. And that's that's it. That's all I gotta say. Sweet. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you next week and probably give another Cody Bellinger update. Woohoo!